Hello everybody, this is Chris Bougay and I wanted to let you know that this is part two of a two-part episode where we teamed up with the Speech Science Podcast to record a live event where we discussed the proposed ASHA AAC certification. So, hope you enjoy! You're listening to Talking with Speech Science. It's the joint live Facebook effort between Speech Science and Talking with Tech. Uh, tonight, we're discussing ASHA's AAC certification, and we want to hear from you either speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com, text us 614-681-1798, or there's a lively chat going on in the, uh, the Facebook group. Rachel, I like how you said that you see some positives there. And I've been kind of the positive person here, and, and I do see some negatives. Chris, what positives do you see coming out of this? Because this might be a train that's leaving the station that we can't really stop, but how can we shape the narrative on it if we do have concerns? Yeah, well, okay. So before I answer that question, Matt, there's one other thing I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. The, the story that you had told about how when you were uh, went to present to a bunch of other educators, how they when they heard about that you work there, they're like, oh, well, he works here. <laughs> Um, I think there's a ph- that phenomenon exists no matter what you have behind your name or whether you don't. Meaning, mm-hmm. uh, a colleague of mine had this phrase, Sally Norton Dar. She would say, "You can't be a prophet in your own land." You know, it, meaning I, I go and I would present in my school district, and they'd be like, eh, "What?" I mean, it's Chris. You know, like, <laughs> I respect it there too. But I make a bigger impact when I fly over to Iowa. You know, and they don't know me. And Matt, if you were to come to my school district. They wouldn't really care that what you had behind your name, other than if you're making a lot of sense and you're and you're giving them strategies and solutions to problems they were having. They listen to you all day long because hey, my gosh, this guy's from over there in the, in the Midwest and he knows what he's doing over there. You know what I mean? It's just a phenomenon that exists about where you're located. I think. That makes sense. Now, that, to answer your question about what are some of the positives, like like Greg mentioned, Katja's perspective is a hundred percent in the same realm as that. Uh, her point of view is that this totally helps people become, it helps them be better at their craft and it helps speech therapy in general, right? That it really um, allows people to specialize and get credit for that special specialization. And like, it, I really do see the snowball effect that, that uh, Rachel had mentioned earlier, that we would get more universities to recognize that they need to have more work and better coursework uh, on AAC because we have so many speech therapists coming out of their pre-service educational models right now where they they have never even used AAC or they're, they're, what their their AAC is is picture symbols you know they haven't had a, an exposure to uh, the different apps or working with somebody for an extended period of time uh, or working on a collaborative team to decide what it should be you know those sorts of experience I think uh, you know based on uh, on my conversation with people who work at the university level seem to be something that the entire field needs more of. And if the certification were to happen and that were to make that happen, then okay, that's that might weigh out the the, the negative side of the exclusionary piece that we're uh, that so many people are concerned about. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the private practice piece because I am in private practice. Um, and I will say, I, I, I could not agree more, Matt. I think that this is something that could completely launch your 
private practice, um, you know, because people, they want specialists. And I know all about those parents who want the one who is the, you know, highly specialized person doing, you know, the assessment and the treatment. And I think especially in private practice, it's really, um, it's a really great way to differentiate yourself. Um, you know, Los Angeles is full of private practice and private practitioners. Um, you know, there's a ton of kind of general practices, but um, my practice has been so successful in part because of my specialty, right? It's like people come to me because they're like, okay, Rachel, um, you know, she knows AAC and, you know, it's a lot of word of mouth referrals. Um, and surprisingly enough, the podcast has brought a lot of referrals my way. Um, but I, I do see a value in if, you know, if I'm thinking just through the lens of like myself as an SLP and, you know, especially an SLP in private practice, absolutely. Like I would love to be certified. So everyone thinks I'm like, you know, a fancy schmancy like expert. Um, and I get tons more referrals and I can increase my rate because, you know, I'm a specialist. Um, so I think that there's that, of course. But I also think we need to think through the lens of, you know, best practice and how is this affecting our practice? How is this affecting the kids who really need AAC and they really need, you know, teams um, to adopt the mentality of, you know, we're all in this together. And I think that that's... um, that's kind of what we keep coming back to, um, you know, I, and, and just to be clear, I, I think I can speak for both Chris and myself when we say like, we're not for or against this, right? Like we have ideas and we're, you know, having a lively discussion about it because we think it's important. Um, you know, I, I don't, if, if someone was like, you know, Rachel, how do you feel about this? You know, it would have to be a discussion because I don't have an answer one way or the other. Um, and it also depends on how this all plays out um, and what this looks like, like as far as a financial cost, like what kind of financial cost is this going to involve? How much time is this going to take to go through this certification process? Um, And, you know, the reality is we're not going to see the ramifications of something like this until it actually happens. Um, But I think that it's it's good to have discussions like this to kind of figure out what do we think might happen? What are our concerns? Um, So that, you know, potentially in the process while they're creating something like the certification, you know, program, you know, hopefully we can, we can voice our concerns and we can have some input that makes a, it makes a difference um, and makes them the, the people in charge of, of this process consider, you know, some of the ramifications. Rachel, we live, I'm sorry, we, we live in that soundbite world. We want to know, are you for or against it? But no, <laughs> you bring up really, you, <laughs> you bring up some really good points. Uh, Tina texted in to 614-681-1798 and says, you know, what is the anticipated cost of the certification? I went through and I'm looking at did Katya talk about that? She, yes. She said it would be in line with the rest of the certification. So in line with the other certifications, the one is $250 for the certification. Um, one for fluency is, I just had it up here, $200. Is that an annual cost or one time? Uh, that is the application fee. And then there are some that you have to recertify. So I don't know. So Matt, I, with the last few minutes here uh, of our, and I don't actually, I don't even know how long we're going. So I, I'm assuming it's an hour. So it could, we could go longer. It is long as it needs to be. We've been 50 minutes. We will, it, it, I feel like the teacher who says, Chris, your paper is as long as it needs to be to get your points out. <laughs> well, so here's something I would, uh, first of all, I would, I want to say that I totally agree with Rachel that uh, I see both sides of Point is, as, uh, and I'm passionate about both of them. If that makes sense, I hope that comes out in my in my voice. Um, but something else I'd like for the people who are pushing certification to consider is 
not just you're certified or you're not certified, but those tier three, uh, that, that third tier that I, that I had mentioned before, um, what if we just focus there for a moment? And so what if we looked at this new phenomenon, this, this, it's not really that new, but it's been around for a while, but uh, maybe new for speech therapy is this idea of micro-credentialing micro and badging. So that is more of a picture it like the scouts, right? You get your, your sewing badge and you get your whittling badge and you get your canoe badge and you, you've shown your skill and proficiency to a mm-hmm. line board that says, yep, you get this badge. And, and then um, you get to display them in some way, you know, in scouts, it's little ribbons on your shirt or whatever, patches, right? Bear badges. Imagine an ASHA portal right? That has uh, Chris Bougay, like a LinkedIn thing. Here's Chris Bougay on the left-hand side, and there's my handsome little picture in the corner, and here's you know my contact information. And then you click on it, and there's all of my badges that I've earned. So I've learned a least to most prompting badge. I've learned an eye gaze badge. I've earned a um, rap, rap, rap strategy badge, uh, which is a strategy for kids with uh, use AAC when they're um, reading, right? All of these little uh, badges that, that, you know, maybe they're a much lesser, maybe it takes me, it's $10 or $15 or $25 to earn a badge, which could actually be way more money for, for whoever the certifying board is, uh, right? And, and I could get them in different stages and get the ones I'm interested in because it wouldn't just be for AAC, but could, could you imagine that for fluency? Did you that for swallowing? Could you imagine that for, for early childhood or all the other different uh, domains? And having this in complete portfolio that someone could look at and go, wow, this guy's got a lot of badges. Oh my gosh, look at her. She's got tons of badges. Like, And she's got the badges of exactly my kid needs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, now you might be having something rather than just an, a yes, you have it or no, you don't. You'd have a, a, a whole tree of skills that you'd be looking at. I don't know. What do you think? What does everyone think of that idea? Well, when you said that, our little hearts got thrown all over the Facebook post because I guess a lot of people like that. Like, there are tons of likes. Um, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, as soon as you said that, I was thinking back, I, I'm an Eagle Scout. But on the flip side, just because I took rowing, just because I took emergency preparedness, just because I took cooking doesn't mean that, you know, right now, I could when I was 17, but not when I, you know, I'm 33. Those were a lot of years ago. What you're saying is we don't want you on Survivor. You're not, you're not on my team. Correct. I, the naked and afraid, I would get that rating of like 3.0, like could make shoes out of leaves. But, but no, like my only concern about the certification or with your idea, Chris, is that just like with anything else, we are really good when we get it. But what happens five years from now? Even if it's a five-year recertification period, the SLP that I am right now at 33 is night and day different than I am when I was 28. And I hope that I'm better when I'm 38. Sorry, Rachel. I have a lot to say about this. Actually, I just wrote a note and I'm so happy you said exactly what you just said. Um, so I think one of the one of the things I like about this certification is that they're going to require specific CEUs for your specific specialty. Because right now it's not dictated what's, you know, I could take, you know, a fluency course. And I think that that's important. Um, but I do think that 
you know, ex- at least in my experience, um, I'm kind of in, you know, my specific area of California um, dealing with what feels like very outdated principles of AAC assessment and implementation. Um, and so I really want clinicians to have to take specific CEU courses to make sure that they're maintained because we know the field is changing, right? We know how important continuing ed credits are. Um, so I think that that's one of the benefits for me um, is that having those specific and targeted CEUs um, to make sure that you're really up to date. Um, Because I think a lot of times, right, we're like, I know AAC. Do you actually know, you know, current practice and current research? Um, I think that's a completely different ballgame, especially when you've been in the field for, for quite some time. Uh, just a clarification, Craig Coleman let us know that it's $75 a year to recertify uh, in, in his area. So it'll probably be close to that for the the other areas. Uh, we got a text message that says they, they really do appreciate and love the idea or they like the idea of the AAC, but is the is certification the biggest issue facing AAC service delivery uh, right now in our field? And I, my biggest problem I have right now is I've got over 15 students that need communication devices. I have two that have devices and I am happy if they are out half the day. So Matt, that, whoever texts that in, it's like they, she looked at my notes or he looked at my notes because as I was kind of putting down all my thoughts, the pros and cons of this, one of the things I wrote down was opportunity cost. right? There's a, there's some great minds right now working on AAC certification. I think, what if we could put those minds at one of these other problems, you know, uh, like, like you just mentioned, the, 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 all the people out there that need communication devices that aren't getting them. And that's just getting them. Then there's the actual being able to implement them and implementing them well. And gosh, what if we were building more, more modules, more, more YouTube videos, a second podcast, you know, something. And what if we were making more rigorous standards for graduate programs? Because then everybody would have a foundational knowledge of what they need to do if there's a child who needs AAC. To me, that's the focus, right? Um, If I had a a magic wand and I could make anything happen, it would be that. It would be clinicians coming out of graduate programs um, would feel really confident about, you know, AAC. And of course, they might have to refer out for an assessment and things like that. But no longer are we going to have these cases where it's like, well, I don't know what to do. They're nonverbal. And, you know, I'm not sure right? At least giving a foundational knowledge of here's what you can do to get started. Because now with the iPad, AAC is so accessible. It used to be like you needed, you know, tons of months of trialing a device and funding and all these things. And now it's as quick as downloading an app. And a lot of these school districts, they have licenses for these apps. So it's really pretty straightforward. My, if I'm talking about my wish list, it's that. I don't disagree with that. I mean, drop the mic. I drop the mic, please. Don't don't drop your mic. I know how much you probably paid for that. <laughs> don't don't drop your mic on the floor. <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like what is what is the confirmation bias? Every, we all have to understand that there's confirmation bias in everything we do. Completely. We we hear the things that agree with the thought we had when we started, and, and I say that because. I still feel that I really like this idea. And I only like that idea because I know what it can do for me uh, as a professional. Mm-hmm. And, and I know. Selfish? That's the word that's popping in my mind. You know? and, and that's okay. I'm, I, Maybe that's okay. If you listen to the Speed Science Podcast, you know that I'm a very selfish, terrible person. No. but You should know I'm selfish. <laughs> 
But no, like internally, I also look at it from this point of view. I have to decide which 30 CEUs I'm going to get during the year. And I am so spread thin on trying to make sure that I get all the CEUs I want to look through and get. And, you know, I, I look at Osla and I look at Ash and say, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And I look at it from a, a selfish point of view of saying, hey, if I'm really taking away the finances part, taking away the people believing in me, this is, this is who I really am, not the speech science persona. If I'm really going to say that I want to pursue being a specialist in AAC, that I'm going to really pursue being the person in Cincinnati that can help more kids and adults get on a device, I better put my money where my mouth is. And if this certification helps me become a better SLP because of it, I'm okay with that because I know that when I am deciding on, do I want to go to the course that I signed up for on Saturday at two o'clock and it sounds like a very, it sounds like a slog, it's a lot of heavy information or, Ooh, I can go to the one that sounds a little bit more fun. If, if I know the one that's going to be more beneficial because I've already signed up to be that AAC specialist that's going to give me a little bit more confidence, a little bit more boost in my step to say, you know what? It's Saturday at two. This is the last one. You've made a commitment to your family, the families that you work with. You've made a commitment to be this sort or board certified uh, AAC specialist. Go get those CEUs. And that's when I say selfish that maybe I, I need more confidence in my own ability, but I look at what I'm doing with dysphagia. And I'm realistically looking at as soon as I can hit all the marks to get dysphagia certified, I'm going to pursue that. Not because I can charge more. I do home health care. My home health care agency pays me whatever they pay me. But because I want to know that I've got some version of CEU training or, or something that when I'm telling a patient what to do, it's not like, oh, I talked to my friend Teresa over at Swallow Your Pride and she gave me ideas or I read this. It's hey, I have that confidence in myself because I went through this, this training. And I, I don't know, when you mentioned the merit badges thing, that it kind of reminds me of that. Like, I'm proud that I'm an Eagle Scout. I'd be proud that I'm a SWORD certified AAC or dysphagia uh, expert. You know, you bring up a really great point, Matt. I actually never really thought through that lens, but I do think there's a lot of clinicians out there who, especially when it comes to AAC, they feel like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so from that lens, I feel like certification is a great idea because I can't tell you how many questions I get from clinicians who are speech therapists working in schools. And they're like, you know, I have a really, I'm really interested in AAC. I have a lot of kids with AAC on my caseload, but like, I don't know how I become a specialist. Cause, and, and I think it's a gray area, right? I think it's like, who is a specialist? Who's not? And one thing I will say is that at least you know, with a certification, like it's not gray anymore, right? It's like, it's black or white. Um, and I think that, that nobody likes to be in the gray. Everyone likes like a definitive yes or no. Um, and so I think from that lens, you know, getting all of these questions from clinicians who are like, I don't know how to become a specialist. How do I do that, Rachel? And I don't have a good answer for them, right? I'm like, well, um, my answer is typically, you know, do as many CEUs as you can. And I send them a list of CEUs that they can take. Um, you know, listen to the podcast, of course, because we talk, you know, all day, every week about uh, AAC and how to implement it. But I, my last piece of advice is just get started. Just start doing it. Um, you know, so it's just, it's interesting um, because I just, there's not a clear 
path right now. And so I think that this certification at least would give us a clear path and it would help clinicians, like you said, Matt, who might not feel confident in their skills. They need to take the test and pass it to feel like they can do it. So I think from that level, I, I completely can understand how that would be helpful. Chris, I ain't buying it. Well, <laughs> Chris, I ain't buying it. No, it's not that I'm not buying it. It's just I don't I don't begrudge anybody their path to learning. And if if that's what motivates them to learn is to get a certification, great. But I feel like certification begrudges other people's path to learning, right? What I'm hearing as as three podcast hosts, that mentality would be like, why would I listen to your podcast? It's not going to get me certified. As opposed to, I want to learn. I the learning is inside me. I I want to. I, I intrinsic motivation. We talk about this on the podcast. Yes, I am intrinsically motivated to learn because that is as a professional that is what I'm supposed to do, and because I'm a curious person, and I'm going to learn whether there's certification there or whether there's not. You know? uh, and that's that's the professionals that I want to be working with. You got so excited because you got all the Facebook likes again on that comment. <laughs> hearts, 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 hearts. <laughs> I do want to reset before we wrap it up. We've been doing this for about an hour and five minutes. Uh, this is Talking With Speech Science. It is the first of many, maybe, joint efforts between speech science and Talking With Tech. We were originally a family of podcasts before jumping ship over to Exceptional Podcast Network. I threw that uh, link in our, our Facebook chat. And we want to hear from you on this discussion, which is all about the AAC certification through the American Speech Language Hearing Association. So give us a text, 614-681-1798. I have a question for the whole group before we wrap it up and then final thoughts. If you could design the certification to, to meet what you would say is the gold standard, what could you add to it or what would you take away from what is already being currently worked on? Um, that's a great question. And if you want some think time, I, I've kind of come up with a couple ideas from that I would see with it. And I would like the idea of, and I was trying to look through the different other certified boards. I am losing my ability to speak tonight. I apologize that I would like to see that time frame shrink down to about every three years for, for AAC, for recertification. Just because I, I uh, put it in t- another terms, I coach high school bowling. There are hundreds of bowling balls introduced every year. Kids come to me and say, which bowling ball do I need to buy? I have no idea. I send them to the pro shop because that's their job to know what bowling ball to use. I'm not going to send them to the bowling ball shop that hasn't updated their skill set since the 1980s. I like the idea of a shorter every two or three years, maybe even with our ASHA uh, dues, recertify at that point. Because the AAC that I see that I'm working with my kids right now, we're working on getting a Toby device with their eye gaze. Between the time I, or not Toby, I'm sorry, a PRC device, the Accent 1400. When I submitted the paperwork for that one, and by the time I heard back, the eye gaze component had already changed. So I would like to see the recertification period shortened to kind of help keep up with that technology. Uh, Just because if we're looking at speech generating devices, what we think we can do now uh, is going to be archaic by the time that we have to recertify if it's every five or 10 years. So that would be my thing that I would like to see added would be a shorter recertification period. So if the recertification period is every five years at 75, maybe every three years at 40, just to kind of help keep that price not 500 bucks every two years. You know, one thing that I would like to see is, 
and I don't know if this is possible. This is the idealist in me. You know, I think it's really important that we teach that as, as clinicians, we learn how to coach communication partners. I think that a lot of times there's this, this outdated model of speech therapy and even AAC, you know, specific speech therapy, um, you know, that we have to combat. It's like, okay, I'm across the desk from a student and like now I'm doing speech therapy. Um, you know, we know that collaboration is key and we know that if we can coach communication partners. I'm not just talking about AAC either. This is all of the kids that we work with. Um, you know, we need to coach communication partners to facilitate language all day long. Um, and so that's something that I would love to see, um, you know, clinicians feeling more confident in their ability to coach, um, you know, commu communication partners, because we know that that's going to indicate whether or not a child is successful or not, um, whether, you know, that be with AAC or, you know, articulation or, you know, language, it doesn't matter. Um, so I just, that's something that, you know, as, as our field, um, not even AAC specific, but especially when it comes to AAC, that's something that's really important. Rachel, it's like we do a podcast together <laughs> because you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I and mean, one of the skill sets that you'd want to make sure if there was going to be certification that people knew would, would be how to coach other people. And coaching is a skill set that is currently not even talked about in AAC circles. It's all about direct therapy models as opposed to coaching other people. Uh, yeah, yes, totally agree. I was just going to say, I think that we also need to, for our, our speech science listeners who don't necessarily listen to Talking With Tech, we need to specify, Chris and I are very passionate about using the word coach and not train because it's two very different things. When I train somebody, it's like, well, Rachel's the expert and she's telling me exactly what to do. Whereas coaching is, it's a process. It's not a one time, I'm going to teach you how to program a button and then I'm going to walk out the door. It's ongoing and it's collaborative. We work together with teachers and with other SLPs and with parents um, and we coach them just the same way that you coach bowling, Matt. Um, so I just wanted to make that, that differentiation because it's really an important one to make. I went to a CEU training actually the other day on how to coach as a supervisor versus teach as a supervisor. So uh, I love that we're using coaching terminology versus supervisor terminology. What are your guys' closing thoughts before we wrap this whole thing up and, and tell them about where to find the Katya interview and all that, but just some closing thoughts on this? I think uh, this is this is tough, but... I think that we need to think big picture and we need to really think about the impacts that we can have as clinicians. And, you know, it's, it's our duty as speech language pathologists to afford every child and every adult the opportunity to communicate and to not just communicate their basic, you know, wants and needs, but to go, you know, well beyond that into other, all of the areas of communication that you and I you know, we're all able to do that. So I think that, you know, upholding that communication bill of rights, um, it's really important that AAC, you know, everyone has access to AAC if they need it. And I just think that that should be a universal standard. And it doesn't really necessarily relate directly to this AAC certification. But I just think that we can think through that lens when we're thinking about, you know, how can we set up a certification process um, that really values that and, and makes clinicians feel confident in their skills 
to use AAC, recommend AAC, and then of course refer out when you know they feel like I don't have the skill sets to to do what I need to do. Um, but just reminding everybody that AAC is for everybody. It's not just for speech language pathologists. It's for parents and teachers and peers and siblings and everybody. So I feel like that's the, that's my biggest takeaway from from everything is that AAC is for everybody. I think my final thought here would be for would would be a call to the people who are putting the AAC certification through ASHA and to ASHA in general for all the certifications to look at the contemporary models of of evaluating what pre- people know. Um, uh, I mentioned it before the micro credentialing and badging. Yes, uh, we'd have we'd still have to things we'd have to work out like how how frequently do you need to update your credentials there and your badges uh, how do you specify the last time you got the badge in a specific thing but I, I feel like those are manageable problems that uh, if we put the right minds on it we could uh, we could solve you know as opposed to th- sort of an old model of you're either certified or you're not and you pay every year to, to, to show that you are um, I feel like that's a just as an old school model that we we have the technology nowadays we have the we have the the ways to collaborate nowadays that we don't need to look at that as the as the way to to prove that you know what you know uh, and so that's what i would urge everyone to look at i would i would i would really urge asha to look at uh this conversation i, I hope someone from asha <laughs> listens to it and sees that there is a, a larger body out there that isn't just blindly thinking the certification is a good thing that's not to say that I think, like I said, there's definitely positives to it. Uh, and I definitely see where the perspective is coming from, from the people that are trying to make it a, make it a thing that happens. Uh, it isn't just, well, that's a good idea. You know, um, there's a lot more here to take, take into, into consideration. My closing thought on this whole thing is that I love the idea that it has sparked conversation about AAC. I originally went into this field due to family history thinking that I was going to be focused more on swallowing and swallowing disorders. And I took a class with Dr. McCarthy who had texted earlier and I knew instantly, no, that's, that's where I want to be. And I didn't know where to start. And I started by talking to salespeople at different communication device companies and going, I don't like you because all you're doing is trying to get me to buy your device and not help me as a therapist. And I've grown, I think, into a person that can identify the right device for the right student. I I love that certification or not, it's coming to the forefront of every SLP's mind. What is it that they said that there's 3% or 5% of eligible AAC users actually have a device? If anything, if it just sparks one more person to say, hey, maybe I can do AAC in the schools or AAC is home care or AAC in early intervention or private practice or anything, I'm okay with it. And if it gets more communication devices uh, into the hands of the students or the adults that need them, I, I really don't care if we have to steal them from other people and then give them to the right kids. I'll, I'll go to Best Buy at night and steal a bunch of iPads and put them into the right hands, but I'll need some money for gift cards to buy the, the apps. But in reality, I, I like that this at least has sparked AAC and brought it back to the forefront where it really needs to be. 
Yeah. And it's the future. You know what I mean? It's like, we know that technology can help children communicate, not just nonverbal children, not just children with autism. You can use technology in so many innovative ways. And so I think as a profession, we should just really start getting comfortable with it. Um, and I think a lot of us are, but I think that it's, it's an important discussion to have. And I'm just so excited we were able to, to sit and chat today. And I'm just so excited that there were so many people that joined us. Yeah. Shout out to everyone who text, who sent texts into the phone number 614-681-1798. Uh, a big thanks to everyone in the chat, including Jen Reed, uh, Luke, who told me I mispronounced his name and he said it's Padgett, maybe? Hopefully that's right. Hopefully that's right. Craig Coleman, Jessica Ross, Tina Moreno, uh, Britt Lauren, Jennifer Schubring. You put the effort in to, to write us. We're going to give you the effort to get the shout out. And if I mispronounce your name, I, I'm just a dumb SLP. Uh, Victoria Starr. Uh, who else is in there? Sarah Gregory. I'm not certified in reading names. I apologize. Uh, I probably forgot somebody. Oh, I think Luke says I said the name right. I did it. <laughs> so if people are listening, you're wondering where the Katya interview is going to be. Is that going to be over on Talking With Tech? Yes. Yep. It's a bit.ly slash TWT podcast. What is that again? <laughs> That's bit.ly slash TWT podcast. TWT podcast. Like talking with tech podcast, but it. You can also head over to exceptionaled.com and you can click on the different podcasts. That's, that's how I'll just do it for that way. <laughs> <laughs> but what we're going to do is we're going to separate this episode. And I think, will the interview, I guess, be on speech science or the, this part will be on speech science. And then the interview for part two will be over on talking with tech. And hopefully we can get a couple of crossover listens. So that would be very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for the speech science listeners and for everybody on Facebook, that's a speech science person. Uh, Talking with Tech is obviously an AAC podcast. What do you guys got coming up over the next couple of weeks? Well, well I, knew, I know that we have an interview with some university uh, students. It's some research that will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. So uh, shout out to... Uh, to all the different people out there that are working in the university level and doing research, there's not enough of you. And so we wanted to call that to, to light and bring some attention to that. So I am really excited. I'm doing an interview tomorrow with Melanie Pensack. She teaches mindfulness to speech therapists. So she talks um, you know, a lot about how can we be present when we're not only doing therapy, but also a lot of self-care strategies. Um, so yes, we do focus on AAC, but we also have lots of fun guests that um, aren't necessarily AAC specific, um, but are complimentary. So lots of fun things in store. And for the talking with tech people who don't know what speech science is, speech science is more the pop news, I guess, of speech therapy, where we interview people uh, somewhat related into the field of speech or language or disabilities. And we answer the question, uh, what is communication? Uh, we just got done this week talking about burnout or moral injury uh, in the field. So you can check that out at speechsciencepodcast.com. Uh, and next week, uh, we are doing the ASHA general election special where we will kind of go through uh, everybody that's running and we're going to run in, in their entirety, three interviews uh, with the candidates for the VP of planning uh, at ASHA. So uh, that's kind of what we are. So we are, uh, as a speech science podcast host, I'm so excited that I got to finally hang out with the Talking With Tech crew. Yeah, we're going to have to do this again. I'm really, this is fun. It was great, Matt. It's such a great idea and you do such a great job. This is fantastic. 
So for Rachel Madel, and I'm going to end this like I do on my podcast, unless you guys want to do a different ending. No, you're like the best radio voice ever. Oh, thanks. It's all those years of undergrad money wasted. For Rachel Madel and Chris Bougay, I'm Matt Hot. In the immortal words of Janice Wright, always be a willow because in a storm, the oak will look strong, but it will crack. The willow will bend and return to form. Make sure you are the willow in your life. For Rachel Madel, Chris Bougay, I'm Matt Hot saying so long, everybody. You're listening to the Exceptional Podcast Network.